Chapter Seven of the Permanent Husband by Fyodor Dostoevsky. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. He was in a great hurry to know all. In order to lose no time about finding out what he felt he must know at once, he told the coachman to drive straight to Trusatsky's rooms. On the way he changed his mind. Let him come to me himself, he thought, and meanwhile I can attend to my cursed law business. But today he really felt that he was too absent to attend to anything at all, and at five o'clock he set out with the intention of dining and at this moment, for the first time, an amusing idea struck him. What if he really only hindered his law business by meddling as he did, and hunting his wretched lawyer about the place, when the latter plainly avoided meeting him? Valchaninoff laughed merrily over this idea. And yet, he thought, if this notion had struck me in the evening instead of now, how angry I should have been! He laughed again, more merrily than before but in spite of his merriness he grew more and more thoughtful and impatient, and could settle to nothing, nor could he think out what he most wanted to reflect upon. "'I must have that fellow here,' he said at length. "'I must read the mystery of him first of all, and then I can settle what to do next. There's a duel in this business.' Returning home at seven o'clock he did not find Pavel Pavlovitch there, which fact first surprised him, then angered him, then depressed him, and at last frightened him. "'God knows, God knows how it will all end!' he cried, first trying to settle himself on a sofa, and then marching up and down the room, and all the while looking at his watch every other minute. At length, about nine o'clock, Pavel Pavlovitch appeared. If this man was cunning enough to mean it, he could not have managed better in order to put me into a state of nervousness, thought Velchaninoff, though his heart bounded for joy to see his guest arrive. To Velchaninoff's cordial inquiry as to why he was so late, Pavel Pavlovitch smiled disagreeably, took a seat with easy familiarity, carelessly threw his crape-bound hat on a chair, and made himself perfectly at home. Velchaninoff observed and took stock of the careless manner adopted by his visitor. It was not like yesterday. Velchaninoff then quietly, and in a few words, gave Pavel Pavlovitch an account of what he had done with Liza, of how kindly she had been received, of how good it would be for the child down there. Then he led the conversation to the topic of the Pogoryeltseps, leaving Liza out of the talking altogether and spoke of how kind the whole family were, of how long he had known them, and so on. Pavel Pavlovitch listened absently, occasionally looking ironically at his host from under his eyelashes. "'What an enthusiast you are!' he muttered at last, smiling very unpleasantly. "'Hm! you seem in a bad humour to-day,' remarked Velchaninoff with annoyance. "'And why shouldn't I be as wicked as my neighbours?' cried Pavel Pavlovitch suddenly. He said this so abruptly that he gave one the idea that he had pounced out of a corner where he had been lurking, on purpose, to make a dash at the first opportunity. "'Oh, dear me! Do as you like, pray!' laughed Velchaninoff. "'I only thought something had put you out, perhaps.' "'So it has!' cried Pavel Pavlovitch, as though proud of the fact. "'Well, what was it?' Pavel Pavlovitch waited a moment or two before he replied. 
why it's that stepan mikhailovitch bagantov of ours up to his tricks again he's a shining light among the highest circles of society he is wouldn't he receive you again or what no not quite that this time on the contrary i was allowed to go in for the first time on record and i had the honour of musing over his features too but he happened to be a corpse that's all what bagantov dead cried velchaninoff in the greatest astonishment though there was no particular reason why he should be surprised yes my unalterable six years standing friend is dead died yesterday at about midday and i knew nothing of it perhaps he died just when i called there who knows to-morrow is the funeral he's in his coffin at this moment died of nervous fever and they let me in to see him they did indeed to contemplate his features i told them i was a great friend and therefore they allowed me in a pretty trick he has played me this dear friend of six years standing why perhaps i came to st petersburg specially for him well it's hardly worth your while to be angry with him about it is it he didn't die on purpose said velchaninoff laughing oh but i'm speaking out of pure sympathy he was a dear friend to me oh a very dear friend pavel pavlovitch gave a smile of detestable irony and cunning do you know what alexey ivanovitch he resumed i think you ought to treat me to something i have often treated you i used to be your host every blessed day sir at tea for a whole year send for a bottle of wine do my throat is so dry with pleasure why didn't you say so before what would you like don't say you say we we'll drink together of course said pavel pavlovitch defiantly but at the same time looking into velchaninoff's eyes with some concern shall it be champagne of course it isn't time for vodka yet velchaninoff rose slowly rang the bell and gave mavra the necessary orders we'll drink to this happy meeting of friends after nine years parting said pavel pavlovitch with a very inappropriate and unnecessary giggle why you are the only real true friend left to me now bagantov is no more it quite reminds one of the great poet great patroclus is no more mean thersites liveth yet and so on don't you know at the name thersites pavel pavlovitch touched his own breast i wish you would speak plainly you pig of a fellow said velchaninoff to himself i hate hints his own anger was on the rise and he had long been struggling with his self-restraint look here tell me this since you consider bagantov to have been guilty before you as i see you do surely you must be glad that your betrayer is dead what are you so angry about glad why should i be glad i judge by what i should imagine your feelings to be <laughs> well this time you are a little bit in error as to my feelings for once a certain sage has said my good enemy is dead but i have a still better one alive ha <laughs> ha well but you saw him alive for five years at a stretch i should have thought that was enough to contemplate his features in said velchaninoff angrily and contemptuously yes but how was i to know then sir snapped pavel pavlovitch 
jumping out of an ambush once more, as it were, delighted to be asked a question which he had long awaited. "'Why, what do you take me for, Alexey Ivanovitch?' At this moment there was in the speaker's face a new expression altogether, transfiguring entirely the hitherto merely disagreeably malicious look upon it. "'Do you mean to say you knew nothing of it?' said Velchaninoff in astonishment. "'How? Didn't know? As if I could have known it, and—oh, you race of Jupiters! You reckon a man to be no better than a dog, and judge of him by your own sentiments. Look here, sir. There, look at that!' So saying, he brought his fist madly down upon the table with a resounding bang, and immediately afterwards looked frightened at his own act. Velchaninoff's face beamed. "'Listen, Pavel Pavlovitch,' he said, "'it is entirely the same thing to me whether you knew or did not know all about it. If you did not know, so much the more honourable is it for you. But I can't understand why you should have selected me for your confidant.' "'I wasn't talking of you. Don't be angry. It wasn't about you,' muttered Pavel Pavlovitch, with his eyes fixed on the ground. At this moment Mavra entered with the champagne. "'Here it is!' cried Pavel Pavlovitch, immensely delighted at the appearance of the wine. "'Now then, tumblers, my good girl, tumblers, quick! Capital! Thank you! We don't require you any more, my good Mavra. What? You've drawn the cork? Excellent creature! Well, ta-ta! Off with you!' Mavra's advent with the bottle so encouraged him that he again looked at Velchaninoff with some defiance. "'Now confess,' he giggled suddenly, "'confess that you are very curious indeed to hear about all this, and that it is by no means entirely the same to you, as you declared. Confess that you would be miserable if I were to get up and go away this very minute without telling you anything more.' "'Not the least in the world, I assure you.' Pavel Pavlovitch smiled, and his smile said, as plainly as words could, "'That's a lie!' "'Well, let's to business,' he said, and poured out two glasses of champagne. "'Here's a toast,' he continued, raising his goblet, "'to the health in paradise of our dear departed friend Bagantov.' He raised his glass and drank. "'I won't drink such a toast as that,' said Velchaninoff, and put his glass down on the table. "'Why not? It's a very pretty toast.' "'Look here. Were you drunk when you came here?' "'A little. Why?' "'Oh, nothing particular. Only it appeared to me that yesterday, and especially this morning, you were sincerely sorry for the loss of Natalia Vasilyevna.' "'And who says I am not sorry now?' cried Pavel Pavlovitch, as if somebody had pulled a string and made him snap the words out like a doll. No, I don't mean that, but you must admit you may be in error about Bagantov, and that's a serious matter." Pavel Pavlovitch grinned and gave a wink. "'Hey, wouldn't you just like to know how I found out about Bagantov, eh?' Velchaninoff blushed. "'I repeat, it's all the same to me,' he said, and added to himself, "'Hadn't I better pitch him and the bottle out of the window together?' He was blushing more and more now. Pavel Pavlovitch poured himself out another glass. "'I'll tell you directly how I found out all about Mr. Bagantov, and your burning wish shall be satisfied. For you are a fiery sort of man, you know, Alexey Ivanovitch, 
Oh, dreadfully so. <laughs> Just give me a cigarette first, will you? For ever since March. Here's a cigarette for you. Ever since March I have been a depraved man, sir, and this is how it all came about. Listen. Consumption, as you know, my dear friend, Pavel Pavlovitch was growing more and more familiar, is an interesting malady. One sees a man dying of consumption without a suspicion that tomorrow is to be his last day. Well, I told you how Natalia Vasilyevna, up to five hours before her death, talked about going to visit her aunt, who lived thirty miles or so away, and starting in a fortnight. You know how some ladies, and gentlemen too, I dare say, have the bad habit of keeping a lot of old rubbish by them, in the way of love-letters and so on. It would be much safer to stick them all into the fire, wouldn't it? But no, they must keep every little scrap of paper in drawers and desks, and endorse it and classify it, and tie it up in bundles, for each year and month and class. I don't know whether they find this consoling to their feelings afterwards or what. Well, since she was arranging a visit to her aunt just five hours before her death, Natalia Vasilyevna naturally did not expect to die so soon. In fact, she was expecting old Dr. Koch down till the last. And so, when Natalia Vasilyevna did die, she left behind her a beautiful little black desk all inlaid with mother-of-pearl, and bound with silver, in her bureau. Oh, a lovely little box, an heirloom left her by her grandmother, with a lock and key all complete. Well, sir, in this box everything, I mean everything, you know, for every day and hour for the last twenty years, was disclosed. And since Mr. Bogantov had a decided taste for literature, indeed he had published a passionate novel once, I am told, in a newspaper, Consequently, there were about a hundred examples of his genius in the desk, ranging over a period of five years. Some of these talented effusions were covered with pencilled remarks by Natalia Vasilyevna herself. Pleasant, that, for a fond husband's feelings, sir, eh? Velchaninoff quickly cast his thoughts back over the past, and remembered that he had never written a single letter or a single note to Natalia Vasilyevna. He had written a couple of letters from St. Petersburg, but, according to a previous arrangement, he had addressed them to both Mr. and Mrs. Trusotsky together. He had not answered Natalia Vasilyevna's last letter, which had contained his dismissal, at all. Having ended his speech, Pavel Pavlovitch relapsed into silence, and sat smiling repulsively for a whole minute or so. "'Why don't you answer my question, my friend?' he asked at length, evidently disturbed by Velchaninoff's silence. "'What question?' "'As to the pleasure I must have felt as a fond husband upon opening the desk.' "'Your feelings are no business of mine,' said the other bitterly, rising and commencing to stride up and down the room. "'I wouldn't mind betting that you were thinking at this very moment what a pig of a fellow he is to parade his shame like this. Ha! <laughs> dear me!' what a squeamish gentleman you are to be sure not at all i was thinking nothing of the sort on the contrary i consider that you are besides being more or less intoxicated so put out by the death of the man who has injured you that you are not yourself there's nothing surprising in it at all 
I quite understand why you wish Bogantov were still alive, and I am ready to respect your annoyance, but— And pray why do you suppose that I wish Bogantov were alive? Oh, that's your affair. I'll take my oath you are thinking of a duel. Devil take it, sir, cried Velchaninoff, obliged to hold himself tighter than ever. I was thinking that you, like every respectable person in similar circumstances, would act openly and candidly and straightforwardly, and not humiliate yourself with comical antics and silly grimaces, and ridiculous complaints and detestable innuendos, which only heap greater shame upon you. I say I was thinking you would act like a respectable person. Ha-ha! <laughs> but perhaps I am not a respectable person. Oh, well, that's your own affair again, and yet, if so, what in the devil's name could you want with Bogantov alive? Oh, my dear sir, I should have liked just to have a nice peep at a dear old friend, that's all. We should have got hold of a bottle of wine and drunk it together. He wouldn't have drunk with you. Why not? Noblesse oblige. Why, you are drinking with me. Wherein is he better than you? I have not drunk with you. Wherefore this sudden pride, sir? Velchaninoff suddenly burst into a fit of nervous, irritable laughter. Why, deuce take it all, he cried. You are quite a different type to what I believed. I thought you were nothing but a permanent husband. But I find you are a sort of bird of prey. What permanent husband? What is a permanent husband? asked Pavel Pavlovitch, pricking up his ears. Oh, just one type of husbands, that's all. It's too long to explain. Come, you'd better get out now. It's quite time you went. I'm sick of you. And bird of prey, sir, what did that mean? I said you were a bird of prey for a joke. Yes, but bird of prey. Tell me what you mean, Alexey Ivanovitch, for goodness sake. Come, come, that's quite enough, shouted Velchaninoff suddenly flaring up and speaking at the top of his voice. It's time you went. Get out of this, will you? No, sir, it's not enough, cried Pavel Pavlovitch, jumping up too. Even if you are sick of me, sir, it's not enough. For you must first drink and clink glasses with me. I won't go before you do. No, no, oh dear, no. Drink first. It's not enough yet. Pavel Pavlovitch, Will you go to the devil, or will you not? With pleasure, sir. I'll go to the devil with pleasure. But first we must drink. You say you don't wish to drink with me, but I wish you to drink with me, actually with me. Pavel Pavlovitch was grimacing and giggling no longer. He seemed to be suddenly transfigured again, and was as different from the Pavel Pavlovitch of but a few moments since as he could possibly be both in appearance and in the tone of his voice, so much so that Velchaninoff was absolutely confounded. "'Come, Alexey Ivanovitch, let's drink. Don't refuse me,' continued Pavel Pavlovitch, seizing the other tightly by the hand and gazing into his face with an extraordinary expression. It was clear there was more in this matter than the mere question of drinking a glass of wine. "'Well,' muttered Velchaninoff, but that's nothing but dregs. No, there's just a couple of glasses left. It's quite clear. Now then, clink glasses and drink. There, I'll take your glass and you take mine. They touched glasses and drank. 
Oh, Alexey Ivanovitch, now that we've drunk together, oh! Pavel Pavlovitch suddenly raised his hand to his forehead and sat still for a few moments. Velchaninoff trembled with excitement. He thought Pavel Pavlovitch was about to disclose all. But Pavel Pavlovitch said nothing whatever. He only looked at him, and quietly smiled his detestable cunning smile in the other's face. "'What do you want with me, you drunken wretch?' cried Velchaninoff, furious, and stamping his foot upon the floor. "'You are making a fool of me!' "'Don't shout so! Don't shout! Why make such a noise?' cried Pavel Pavlovitch. "'I'm not making a fool of you. Do you know what you are to me now?' and he suddenly seized Velchaninoff's hand and kissed it before Velchaninoff could recollect himself. "'There, that's what you are to me now. And now I'll go to the devil.' "'Wait a bit! Stop!' cried Velchaninoff, recollecting himself. "'There's something I wish to say to you.' Pavel Pavlovitch turned back from the door. "'You see,' began Velchaninoff, blushing and keeping his eye well away from the other, you ought to go with me to the Pogoryeltsevs to-morrow, just to thank them, you know, and make their acquaintance. Of course, of course, quite so, said Pavel Pavlovitch readily, and making a gesture of the hand to imply that he knew his duty, and there was no need to remind him of it. Besides, Liza expects you anxiously. I promised her. Liza? Pavel Pavlovitch turned quickly once more upon him. Liza? Do you know, sir, what this Liza has been to me, has been and is? He cried passionately and almost beside himself. But, no, afterwards, that shall be afterwards. Meanwhile, it's not enough for me, Alexey Ivanovitch, that we have drunk together. There's another satisfaction I must have, sir. He placed his hat on a chair, and, panting with excitement, gazed at his companion with much the same expression as before. Kiss me, Alexey Ivanovitch. Are you drunk? cried the other, drawing back. Yes, I am. But kiss me all the same, Alexey Ivanovitch. Oh, do. I kissed your hand just now, you know. Alexey Ivanovitch was silent for a few moments, as though stunned by the blow of a cudgel. Then he quickly bent down to Pavel Pavlovitch, who was about the height of his shoulder, and kissed his lips from which proceeded a disagreeably powerful odour of wine. He performed the action as though not quite certain of what he was doing. "'Well, now, now!' cried Pavel Pavlovitch, with drunken enthusiasm, and with his eyes flashing fiercely. "'Now, look here! I'll tell you what I thought at that time. Surely not he, too, if this man, I thought, if this man is guilty, too, then whom am I ever to trust again?" Pavel Pavlovitch suddenly burst into tears. "'So now you must understand how dear a friend you are to me henceforth." With these words he took his hat and rushed out of the room. Velchaninoff stood for several minutes in one spot, just as he had done after Pavel Pavlovitch's first visit. "'It's merely a drunken sally, nothing more,' he muttered. Absolutely nothing further, he repeated, when he was undressed and settled down in his bed. End of chapter 7